Hello, everyone. I am That Weems Guy here for a special episode of the Handy My Mood podcast. Uh, all of our guests tonight have been uh, in stringent training under the, the tutelage of Brian Eastridge to come on, and they're, they're going to help come here and help show me how a podcast is done tonight. And so maybe, just maybe, um, you know, the quality of this show will improve after tonight. Once we've had some... Had some Oh, Brian and Brian also has sound effects. He has sound I'm effects. Sorry. So uh, it's probably been a good thing that I did not start the recorder till just now because it, we lost complete control earlier. And I'm certain that that is going to happen again tonight as we get started. We're, I'll go around and have everyone come in and introduce themselves. And we may have a few other people join in later. Um, but I'll go in the order of my clock face. And up first, the star of the Hanny Mahmood show, Hanny Mahmood. That's a story in and of itself, but uh, great to see you, Lee. Good to see you, sir. Tell everybody about yourself. Uh, my name is Hanny Mahmood, and I live in the North Texas area. Uh, I'm in my, uh, I always lose track, 23rd year of law enforcement. Uh, I did seven, depending on how you count it, uh, I did 17 years uh, real work, and then um, six years full-time academy work. And then now I'm splitting it between the two. Okay. So you are actually teaching in a law enforcement academy. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, I've got eight days to do in two weeks. Okay. All right. Up next, Mr. Rob Garrett. Good evening. I'm glad to be with this esteemed group of scoundrels. Uh, Rob Garrett. I'm retired uh, lieutenant from the Columbus Georgia Police Department. I spent 38 years with them. Um, during that time, uh, I had an opportunity to run our training division for about four years. And uh, so just glad to be here. Uh, and as we get into this thing, a lot of what I did dealt with liability issues. I spent a lot of time in internal affairs. So I had the privilege of getting a call at 8.15 in the morning while I'm still on my first cup of coffee saying, We've had one officer shoot another officer down on the range. Oh, so, well, so as the training guy and the internal affairs guy, you probably made lots of friends. Uh, and for those that know anything, I was also the accreditation manager. So oh, that's no, I even had more very, fun. I, I had very few friends. <laughs> I was in on the early days of uh, state certification for an agency, and uh, that was... I'm glad that I was gone by the time they had to start building all the reaccreditation files that I had moved to another position. Um, and uh, that was that was, was something I was very happy to get away from. All right. Mr. Brian Eastridge. Oh, wow. Uh, well, let's see. I'm a frequent guest on the Hanny McMood podcast. Uh, no. <laughs> I've been a uh, full-time cop for 20 years in about 16 working days. Don't ask me how I know that. Um, let's see. I've been a firearms instructor for about 18 of that. And uh, four years in the Army before that. That's where that little memento came from there. But, uh, and, uh, you know, podcast host, small training company owner which is coming up on its fifth year. And then I own EDC belt company, shameless plug, the foundation belt. Uh, anyway, so that's, that's kind of my background. Spent a lot of time shooting revolvers, shooting PPC, uh, mentoring 
potential instructors to go through the state's course to get certified. Spend a lot, been spending a lot of time lately doing that. So, all right, and uh, we we need to take a moment and acknowledge that we're recording this on John Hearn's birthday. But we're happy we're, birthday, John. Happy birthday, John. Happy birthday, John. Sorry. Couldn't help it. Right. We will spare yeah, everyone. A little bit. <laughs> we will spare everyone the singing of happy birthday. So I don't know, Brian. You're you're a musician. We can let you get out and uh get your guitar out and well, yeah. Some. I I do uh I fancy myself to play solo, solo that nobody ever nobody has to hear it. Yeah. Wait, you had numerous requests, but you're gonna play anyway. Yeah, <laughs> in spite of my consensus. No, no, I'll forego. I mean, I like John. I'm pretty sure that might be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. So, yeah, John, John is one of the older brothers that I didn't really want, but I kind of like. So, I didn't realize he was older than you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, from I've never met John, but from all the banter, uh, just call him Rodney because he gets no respect. <laughs> And it's all truly earned. I see. Yeah. All right. Well, enough of that. We'll get started and, uh, with our topic tonight. And this show idea actually originated in a text discussion that was taking place between uh, the four of us and a couple of other guys who may or not be signing in as we continue. And we got on the topic of when is it appropriate for a trainer to begin certifying instructors on their own you know we're familiar with organizations like the nra uscca um all of the people on the show here tonight are certified by state and or federal entities as firearms instructors but you know, we, we just got on the discussion of when is it okay for you know joe's firearm school to start certifying instructors and sending them forth into the world and so we're going to go around the horn and just get some initial comments on that. Up first, hand him a move. Well, first of all, <clears throat> I'd like to thank Brian for that thing on his wall there. And we thank you for your service in the Libyan Coast Guard. And uh, we may need to stop and start <laughs> the recording over again. Um, oh, this is gold. This is gold. <laughs> Um, you, you guys are, are just playing have knowing that I have absolutely no editing skills whatsoever. You, this you is all are going to get you are okay. Get so, um, downloads this way. Um, Lee, the, yes. the um, in general, uh, the question is when is it okay to mm -hmm. start certifying somebody to instruct? Yes, okay. Well, then, uh, since apparently I go first, um, let's take the um. The large eye view looking down, mm -hmm. which is, um, it depends on the topic. And that's a big thing. And not getting into the minutia of, but, but within certain realms, right? So um, have you been a guy in IDPA and you have been a safety officer for X number of years and you are certifying people to be safety officers? And that's kind of a, I know that's not the area we're talking about, but I'm going to set that as the one. And then, you know, let's go as like an eight or a nine is um, when, when you are um, certifying somebody to be a self-defense instructor, which I think is our focus. Um, 
um, and, and beyond that into what areas of self-defense and so on and so on. Um, so since I'm starting and I'm taking the bird's eye view, I'll say it all depends on if the certifying person and the person wanting to be certified are kind of staying in their lane. And I hate to use that term because it's it means a lot of things to a lot of people, but to stuff that um, at least to a you know an easily easily discernible standard. Yeah, that person is qualified a to do it and has been doing it long enough that he can certify others. But again, it all depends on the topic and you know how, how deep from that you go. All right, Rob. Um, eventually, I'd like to get into the current state of the instructor community as sure. a genesis to, but mm-hmm. my first concern is there is no credentialing body outside of state peace officers and training councils, NRA, or a formal organization. But with that comes a certain structure and set of standards, regardless how you view those standards, that you can fall back on to a point. If John Smith has been a master IDPA instructor and uh, or competitor, and he wants to go out and, and just start issuing certifications, I don't think these people that are doing this have any concept of the liability they are incurring. And it's bad enough if you're a basic instructor and you don't have a solid program of instruction that you could, under a sworn uh, deposition in 18 months from now, say exactly what you did on this day with this group of students and have notes about the specific student who is the subject of the litigation, their performance. That's bad enough. Now you got a second or third tier effect where I teach John and I sort of have to teach what I taught him. But then it's like telephone. He morphs it into something that's on his own and he teaches it. So where the liability comes in, you know, it, it eventually comes back to me because he's teaching and he's going to claim I was the genesis for what he taught, whether I was or not. And so I think everybody's missing the whole liability issue of this, and they're doing it either as a business model or as to build a professional reputation, if you will, and that's that's putting it very politely. And I don't think they have any concept of what they're doing. And and we can we can unpack that you know in greater detail down the road. So I just have some some serious concerns, first at the basic instructor level, and then secondly, um, if you certified somebody to instruct, you know, what happens when one of their students goes awry and you find yourself in federal court or in in an attorney's office giving a deposition on something that you taught two to three years ago? All right, and we'll come back to your point on the uh, state of the industry in just a moment. Brian? You're not. No. You you asked the question, when is it okay for you to start certifying instructors? You're not. Uh, No. It's an oversimplification of a uh, 
of a greater depth of of subject matter but uh the best form or the best way i could uh sum it up is kind of as an example and uh a certain organization that i've worked with and in and around and some of the instructors there steve moses that talking about you they put together a uh house of worship security instructor program uh-huh. and i wasn't able to attend but i said well, what's the credentialing body here like who is who is the one blessing this? And I, and the response that I got was, well, we have the full backing of the organization that uh, does legal defense work that we have certified that this is the packet or the curriculum that we deem that we can, uh, we can argue in court that this is sound because of all of the subject matter expertise that we have all mixed into one uh, one package. Uh, if you follow this package, we can back you in court with this. If you decide to teach this to others, and I went, okay, so that's a certifying body, right? That's somebody that's saying, if something goes wrong and you're following our format, I'm here to back you. So to me, I see a lot of people that go, oh, well, you're now an instructor. Okay, well, what organization? What governing body? Uh, what what case law do you have to support what you've taught? And uh, that's kind of where I look at the instructor thing. I teach a lot. I teach a lot to, you know, junior instructors, people that are coming up to teach law enforcement uh, and, you know, the armed populace. Uh, but I've never once certified one of them as a an instructor in the Brian Eastridge protocol of how to make a gun go bow, pow, right? Because there is not a, an, a certifying organization behind me personally that says, yeah, if you teach this curriculum packet to this person and they carry this exact curriculum packet, then we will back them legally. Now, I have instructor insurance through Firearms Trainers Association. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, their, their methodology is if someone else has certified you as an instructor, we don't care what your curriculum is, but if it violates any one of these principles then we eject you from the organization but they didn't certify me as an instructor right the state of oklahoma did the nra has some other governing bodies that have been court tested right so that's what i think is like when you have the legal backing that you can pressure test your curriculum in court in in front of 12 people that were not smart enough to get out of jury duty then maybe you can hand out a certificate that says this person's an instructor. That's, that's my very long winded explanation of it. All right. We have been joined by Mr. Mark Freaky. Mark, if you would take a moment and introduce yourself to the audience. You're muted, Mark. There we go. Hello everybody. Thanks. Sorry. I was late getting off the range. I'm uh, actually teaching an instructor school. I'm currently a red dot instructor school uh, in South Dakota. So uh, my name is Mark Fricke. Uh, I was a retired officer from Arizona. Uh, I was also a cop in Nebraska, also a cop in the Air Force. So I have 28 total years. I've been a firearms trainer since 1980. Uh, I'm from the state of Arizona, like I said. I've been on uh, the Arizona Post Board for Subject Matter Experts to help design our two-week firearm instructor program that started about 1987. I stayed on that until I retired in 2000 and then uh, left. Um, about 
six, seven years ago now, uh, the town I live in asked me if I would be considered go back into this uh, post SME to help them because they couldn't get a lot of instructor classes up in their part of the world through Arizona Post. And I said, sure. And so I went through the hoops to do that. And now I'm back on Arizona Post and part of our study matter expert committee, which trains firearms instructors throughout the state of Arizona. We write the curriculum. We also set the standards for what is trained for the state of Arizona. In addition to that, I also work for a national organization where I do uh, instructor development schools nationwide for everything through handguns, through sniper rifles. So uh, I've been doing that since 1997. Uh, so I got uh, 25 years of doing that outside and doing it around the state. In the recent past, because of COVID, uh, the organization I worked for could not provide uh, the training was necessary for agencies to keep certified. So I've had uh, states uh, post like contact me to ask me if I would come do these under my own auspices of my own company. And I had to go through a process of where I submitted my lesson plans, range drills, et cetera, which allowed then uh, me to teach instructor schools for those states in there and then certified through the states uh, that I teach in. So that's kind of who I am um, in, in teaching this stuff here. Just as a, I'm gonna put out a note because there, uh, as of today, uh, I have been involved in being a police officer for 50 years, or at least law enforcement training for 50 years as of today. Today's my 50th anniversary. Wow, uh, congratulations. So I, uh, I realized, I looked at my watch and I went, holy cow, it's 50 years today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't believe it. All it means really is I'm old. <laughs> Would now well, what, it mean, what it means to me is I'm not the oldest one sitting here. Nope, nope, I don't think you are, and I can guarantee you that. So, would it be <laughs> anyway, a, um, would it be appropriate at this time for me to point out that I am fifty years old? That's okay. <laughs> you <laughs> youngster. Do, do you remember? Do you, do you remember Reagan's comment in the debate? Uh, which one? I remember oh, yeah. the Mr. Gorbachev. Mark? No, no. Um, which when, one? when the comment was made about his age and, and oh, he yeah. said, I will not yeah. take advantage of the youth and inexperience of my opponent. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. That. Yep. That is very true. That was a good statement. All right. All right. Anyway, uh, so I thought I missed a little bit of the discussion. I heard a little bit of Rob's question, but uh, that, that's who I am. So. All right. Well, the question we were all uh, talking about when you joined us was, when is it appropriate for like an individual instructor or individual company uh, to go out and start offering certification courses on their own? As instructors. As like, like they want to certify people to be instructors. Right. Um, I think it, it has to be based on the best practices of uh, what that company does. And again, uh, I'm I don't know that there's there's liability with anything you do. If you're involved in fire, you know, guys know that there's, li there's liability with it. But, for example, yeah, just the state of Arizona, if I follow the Arizona Post curriculum, that, that governed me. If I follow the organization I work for, that covered me. Doing one of them on my own is it to more sense. I'm doing it through government bodies, so they're approving the lesson plans. So that then provides me a level of protection to be able to teach uh, law enforcement officers around the around that particular state, um, around the country. It, I think it's there, but I know what I teach is correct. I know what I teach is 
proper practices. I know what I teach is state of the art on um, inventing stuff. This stuff is out there. It's proven techniques, and I just teach those techniques, and then I have all my documentation to show what I teach. Um, there's not a class I teach that I don't have a complete written lesson plan for. There's not a class I teach I don't have a written set of range drills that I follow, and those are all. I check these things off as I do it. I keep those records. I have from 1994, I have the original class I taught at Sheriff's Office up in Wyoming on the M4 Temple. And I got my records from that class. So I can pull up records if I have to, and I have been asked to. I have been deposed all times over the years from students who have been involved in shootings from Sheriff's Office to police department alike. And what I found that if you have your in a row, you have your paperwork in a row that you show that what you did uh, is documented as being good, solid, practical exercises, then you're, you're doing it right. And, you know, I've had, unfortunately, to have to talk about officers who did not do it right. And the thing is, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, if they don't do it right, I'm going to say they didn't do it right. I'm not going to condemn them, but I'm going to say this is not, not what we're this is not what I what I put out in it, and that was a decision that they made on their own to do some water technique. So I've had that happen too. So I've been doing this a long time with it. I'm not worried about that. I do have instructor insurance also, so I you know, I do try to cover myself for liability reasons. Uh, I just I know I do the best job I can. I do the job, and I want to make sure I get the information out. So I think it's appropriate if you can show you have the expertise. Uh, I've done this for a long time, been a cop for a long time, and a lot of different things for a long time. Um, I, I see an issue with myself. I, I'm not afraid to do it. So I wonder if I have to dance around. There's a lot of what I would call uh, YouTube commandos. I'm sorry, I'll just say that way. I, I don't have a big social media presence. Uh, you guys have been dragging me into the social media stuff more than I've ever been in before in the last month and a half. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> and it's i'm glad we're able to get the information but i just you know this is not what i do i go out and i teach people i don't need to be on the news and be putting my face out to get everybody to you know like me um uh, and want to you know say oh he's so cool i just want to provide a service to cops and the military so all right hope well, that answers the question a little bit at least yes sir yes sir well i'm gonna kind of ask the same question but i'm going to to split some hairs here and see if we can kind of you know put some finer points on the discussion everyone in this panel tonight has taught in a firearms instructor certification course for another body yeah i've taught courses that actually certify georgia peace officer firearms instructors uh, and I know, Brian, you've done that in Oklahoma. Right. Uh, Robin, yeah. you've done that here in Georgia. Um, and Mark, obviously, you're doing it around, around the country. And so if I can teach that at the state level for cops, why can't I go out and do it on my own as a private instructor? But then I also want to you know, split the hair of, you know, you have, there are some great instructors that are out there on the private citizen side that have never been in government service are we saying that they can never teach instructor certification courses to teach people how to teach, 
you know, their things they develop in their material. And, and without, if we're saying that, don't we run the risk of stagnating the field of learning, uh, you know, in, in our, in firearms and, and self-defense or other side of it, you know, the competition side. Uh, Manny, uh, excuse me, Hanny, you're up. Um, I'm going in order of how everybody appears in my, my screen. That's a really good question because, it, you know, without sounding a little silly about it, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg. Uh-huh. Right. It, 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 it's, it's, well, somebody has to, fir- uh, somebody has to certify or in some mechanism become certified to teach the first instructor. Uh, um, I, I'm reminded of, uh, you know, talking to guys that I've trained with over the years, you know, in high level military units that, well, the guys that trained them weren't necessarily badged members of that unit. They were the, they were older and they taught them and, and then it went on from there. And so similar to the law enforcement world, well, somebody has to train law enforcement instructors and, you know, it like more is better, um, um, smarter, more experienced, uh, all those things are better, but at some point you have to have a defining line um, of who, who can, who can go ahead and sign off and bless, so to speak, an instructor. So having said all that, the problem that I see is that it's a difference between, uh, are we working in a law enforcement government, uh, entity program paradigm, so to speak, or are we talking something else? Because that's where the rub is, because, as Mark said, and uh, Rob, and Brian, and you, and in my case, me too, is we became instructors. We went through the various hoops that our state required. We became instructors. After a while, we instructed for a while. After a while, when somebody thought that we were ready, we began teaching the instructor course. And for me, it was probably about a seven year time frame between when I became uh, in Texas it's called T Cole and other places it's Cole or, uh, 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 or Cleet or, or, you know, whatever. Um, so for me, it was about a seven year dis- difference from between when I became an instructor and then when I started teaching other instructors. So having said all that, um, how, how do you certify somebody? And, and to me, the only the, the the rub is when there are no um, overseeing entities, be they a uh, a corporate organization, be they um, uh, a state or even federal. Because I, I took the FBI's firearms instructor school too. Um, if you don't have any of those things, how do you become? How, how can you call yourself an instructor, and how can you call somebody else an instructor? That brings something up that I really, I think, puts a point on the crux of this whole conversation too. that when it was training was left to government organizations, we got Newhall. And then enters Jeff Cooper, who's doing this thing all out here on the zone and Gunsight, who we all stem from Gunsight in some Indeed. form, fashion or another. All right. And. Jeff Cooper influenced everything 
that took place there, you know, starting with it going to the West Coast and then, it is, you know, over time it's come back across the rest of the country. And then you can even come into current times is uh, Tom Givens started his instructor course through Range Master because he was needing to train his own instructor staff for a range that he was running because of the people that were certified by the state law enforcement organization in his area weren't up to the standard that he wanted. And I'll say this, I already had two instructor certifications by the time I became associated with range master. I was certified by the state of Georgia as a firearm instructor, and I was certified by the FBI as a firearm instructor. And none of that had, and plus some other stuff associated with those organizations not a single bit of that at least memorably focused on teaching individuals how to shoot it was all about the liability of running courses administering courses of fire scoring targets everything else like that and then all of a sudden in 2014 i get this class from tom Givens on here's how you coach individual shooters and so, so if we're going to leave it to just the government entities to produce the firearms instructors that are going to be responsible for teaching the cops, and then that spreads back to the private sector, are we asking for Newhall again? And Hanny, I'll give you a chance to respond. Since okay. I, yeah. uh, thank you for that. Um, yeah. um, the, the, the things jump to mind. So in my career, Texas um, implemented a patrol rifle curriculum. Uh-huh. There was no patrol rifle instructor. So who's going to teach it? It was basically instructors. You know, there were, there were, there were state, you know, TCO firearms instructors, and then they mandated a minimum of either 16 hours or 18 hours. I can't remember um, uh, of curriculum for an officer to be certified to carry a patrol rifle. But guys like me, it, um, there was no state patrol rifle instructor. Now, in the intervening years, uh, they, they, you know, states move slowly and ours probably moves slower than most. They, they, they did a curriculum and so on and uh, to, to teach patrol rifle instructor. And I ended up teaching that. Uh, so some of it is kind of by government sanction, but some of it a little bit has to be common sense. Because if the state had never recognized a patrol rifle instructor, how, how can he instruct it? Or how can he teach other instructors when there were no version of instructors? Hence the chicken and the egg thing. But uh, I, I think that it's kind of based on, you know, did, did, you know can, you, can you justify that you've had a lot of experience and, uh, and so on in the area? The one other thing I'll add that relates to the private sector and Brian brought this up uh, a few minutes ago about, um, you know, uh, a friend to all of us, uh, or, uh, or I assume all of us, as Steve Moses, when he started teaching, um, you know, House of Worship Security. And, and, I and I took that class, so I know firsthand. The thing is, is there was, there is, there is nothing to start with. Someone has to start and And that's a little bit of the rub. And, and so, just in terms of my mind, in terms of well, what's okay and what's not okay, is does this person have some good, solid instructor credentials? Preferably more than one way, right? Um, the state, the feds, 
um, Tom, you know, who, you know, has been a mentor to, to me since I think year 2000. Uh, but, you know, you got to like start someplace and go, okay, this person has solid credentials of, of uh, being an instructor in, in, in related things. And then you move on to new curriculum, such as like the best example I can use is that patrol rifle is, you know, there, there wasn't, there wasn't any kind of sanction or a cert before we taught it. And then uh, finally, uh, and brevity, as Brian knows, is not one of my traits, um, <laughs> is that, is it something specialized? Like there might never be an instructor um, certification by anybody for something um, specialized. And one of the first things that comes to mind for me is like Craig Douglas teaching and I, I trained with him in like, I think 2001, uh, the beginnings of, you know, what he used to call, you know, I think back then was ECQC. And now there are various, you know, generations of it and the, the curriculum has been refined and so on. But he was teaching a specialized skill of basically fighting either with guns, hands or knives from zero distance to like three yards there's probably never going to be a certification sanctioned by anybody other than him. And so there you go. Those those are the kind of like the things I try to keep in mind when I, when I go, well, that's reasonable versus the ones that I go, no, this is fantasy land. Uh Got a funny one to add. (laughs) Annie was talking about how there was a patrol rifle school, but no instructor course in Oklahoma. There was a patrol rifle instructor course but no operators course. <laughs> like, I mean, seriously. Yeah. And yeah. we had one guy on our agency that had been to a patrol rifle instructor school for lever guns. No kidding. Mm-hmm. No kidding. And yep. uh, that is what ultimately spawned <laughs> off the, uh, the, uh, like the AR 15 platform. But that was in 1898, Brian. Can I say that I like his style? Oklahoma Cleat still teaches a lever action uh, patrol rifle instructor course. Yeah, but they don't teach an operator's course. It's really odd to me, unless somebody that's already been through that curriculum develops a course and then they call it their own. And then Cleat says, okay, that's okay. Yeah, that's, we'll give you a catalog and a course number for that. Uh, So, but it was we, a chicken or the egg thing, but we had the chicken. We just didn't have any eggs. Well, yeah, here, we here eggs in Georgia, no chicken. Yeah. Here in Georgia, you know, as a certified instructor through post, I can go out and teach a class. I don't have to submit a lesson plan to anybody. I can go into the database and enter and grant credit. Yeah, so, it's, it's similar here. So. Uh, yeah. All right, Rob, you, you sat patiently as a, uh, as I said, all that stuff about gun sight and, and, and yeah. range master and stuff, and I could just see yeah, you jumping one to answer. So go ahead. I'm making notes. Yeah, <laughs> I think they like say, savings time is fixing to come to an end before Hanny finished. <laughs> um, first off, just in, in complete candidness, I have not taught an instructor course. Okay. Uh, I'm a Georgia post certified firearms instructor, and then in 2001, my agent hosted a two-week FBI firearms instructor course. So first off, Lee says the government agencies teach the minimum standards, and we don't necessarily do a great job of, of what we teach and how we teach. 
and you know the criticism about uh, you know you learn liability issues and how to write a lesson plan and programming instruction and all of this. So if a two week intensive instructor program like Georgia Post is lacking, how in the world can you do a two day weekend course and certify anybody in any level of competency to be an instructor? And I don't say that snobbish, but you know, number one, an instructor's course is not a shooting course. Yeah, you want to show proficiency, but teaching somebody to be a firearms instructor has nothing really to do with shooting. As far as they're, I mean, they have to be a, so you teach them how to teach, number one. Um, you know, you can instruct a lot without granting certification. And I, and I get that. Um, but if, well, so, if we, so can't, then, if we, so, if we so, can't do it in two weeks, so here's the thing. Craig Douglas has a, has a good program. I wish I, I had taken it when I was younger and, 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 you know, could have taken it. You're more than welcome to go out there and adapt what he taught you along with your martial arts background, your, your belts and that kind of thing, and go start teaching your own version of it. And any firearms instructor can do that. My first question is, and I'll throw this out to, 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 to Lee and Brian, I mean, throw it out to all three of you. As your own entity, forget national organizations, forget posts, forget anything, as your own private company, why would you want to take on the liability or why would you want to certify instructors? What's the purpose behind it? And that's where I really want to start, you know, kind of rewind a little bit. Say, why would you want to do it? Uh, now, Tom's Tom's reasons that, you know, I learned in, in talking to Brian make perfect sense. I get that. But as a general traveling roadshow, why would you want to, to certify other people in the Lee Weems uh, you know, bullet golf school of shooting or whatever. All right. Well, well first uh, I want to go back to something you said there. If government can't do it in two weeks, how can anybody do it in two days? You know, weekend. Well, in that case, then every NRA and USCCA instructor course is invalid. Not necessarily invalid. I'm not saying yeah. invalid. Yeah. I'm saying lacking in and so you teach a personal defense course, you know, how much of that is case law? You know, and, and yeah. most of the time, everybody. And, and so I guess my point is everybody wants to do the fun stuff, but nobody wants to do the hard stuff. Right. And we as full time, whether active or retired law enforcement annually, had use of force training, annually had to meet a state standard, you know, and we understand the depth of, of what's going on in potential armed confrontations that, that a whole lot of people don't, and yet they're out there hanging out shingles and, and, and preaching the gospel and then certifying people to go teach under their banner. And, and I know that sounds, you know, arrogant and elitist, and I don't necessarily intend for it to be that way. And I'm being the fud, so. Right. Well, 
Yeah, I want to tell an old cop joke here real quick before we move on from that. You know, in cop training, we can take a three-day course and squeeze it into five days. <laughs> I don't argue that. And so, you know, Brian and I believe Hanny are also range master certified instructors. And we did more in those three days of that class than we did in the first week of firearms instructor school, probably all two weeks of every day of the firearms instructor schools that I've been to. Um, so I'm not necessarily hung up on, on the number of days. I want to let uh, Brian and Mark uh, respond to that question that was going around. And then I want to go back to your question, because I think it's excellent of why would anybody want to do it? Brian, do you have any further? On which part of what question where? I got lost uh, there for a minute. Rob just totally confused me. Me too. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, the question that I had asked was, you know, taking, you know, we got the government running training and we get new hall but then you have a private sector entity like gunsight comes in and revolutionizes revolutionizes everything and then you know range master is kind of carrying that torch as well so why can't a private entity go out and I, they can and they can yeah um you know i mean there's there's no shortage of instructor certifications right. that people i guess make up out of thin air and say well I guess if you can shoot a sub two second bill drill, you're an instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing that I focus more on nowadays, you know, as I get a little older, uh, being the youngest one on the panel. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> anyway, the thing I focus more on now is like the mentorship part or the apprenticeship part. Uh, that's something I think is severely lacking in the industry. Period. Uh, and that's on the government that. side and on the, uh-huh. the, the armed citizen side. Uh, because technically if I go and I get my certification, then I can start teaching tomorrow. Uh, I went through instructor school in 2004 and I didn't hold an open enrollment course until 2018. After I developed, after I developed a lesson plan. And I got to tell you the government entity that certified me as instructor never once talked about developing a lesson plan, uh, never once taught me how to teach people how to shoot. Uh, I went through an 80 hour course where we went into some coaching and range operations and things like that, but it was more of a proficiency course of how to shoot. Uh, it took years of going to outside training and, uh, you know, developing teaching techniques because when you're open enrollment teaching, you don't have 80 hours to teach, you know, uh, you know, Sally soccer mom or Joe six pack, you just don't, you, you don't have that time, uh, nor do you have the monetary investment that's going to come with it. So what I found in training outside of an organization was there were much more expedient, uh, methods to convey information. Um, so we, we kind of lose sight of that. And I think Gunsight and, uh, like Tom Givens, are kind of the last two people that are really doing like an apprenticeship. Like, Hey, you want to teach my material? You better come AI about two dozen classes before you get, before you get this under your belt, you need to go to the master level instructor program. And then you need to spend a lot of time on the range. Uh, Gunsight is one of those places that, you know, you don't pay for an instructor certification. They ask you if you want to apprentice to become one. Um, 
and and I don't know the process. I've never been to a 250 yet, uh, but that's one of those organizations that is very regimented in the way that they build instructors. And one of the things I see we that's endemic in the industry is well, if you can shoot my drill, then you can teach my material, as opposed to hey, you know, you need to spend the time being the guy that goes and gets the bucket of staples. You need to spend the time being the guy that coaches the uncoachable shooter uh, to some standard. Uh, and we lose sight of that. We've So why would people want to offer an instructor certification? It boils down to money. Well, you can come through my level one, level two program. And then if you spend a little more money, then I bless off on you as, as you're an instructor. Well, that hasn't, to me, that has no value, no weight behind it. Um, versus, and I'll even go to like Tom Givens, the range master instructor certification. To me, that is a great entry level. You are ready to apprentice under somebody who is, has done this for years. You know, I wouldn't expect somebody that came out of Tom's level one class there to go start permeating information to the, to the masses. But I think that's a very, uh, a very solid foundation to build an apprenticeship on. Right. So, uh, so that, that's kind of my take on it. So why, what's the motivation for people offering instructor credentials is, uh, is monetary. Um, Not always. Not always. Right. Right. And I, I didn't mean Mark, you're, you're kind of an outlier exception there. Right. Uh, because, uh, but there again, the programs you teach are very, very lengthy and thorough. So a lot of, uh, I don't want to throw names under the bus, but there's a lot of instructors that have a lot of Instagram views and it's like, Hey, I'm offering my first instructor program. It's two days long. I go, Man, that's good to set you up as an apprentice to go apprentice under somebody, uh, but but that's, that's my two cents. I don't know. I'm, I'm, and and I, those are the type of programs I'm mainly right, I'm right. mainly talking about. You know, the program Tom's got absolutely. You got a mentorship gunsight. You got a mentor. You you have to. It's more than just an, an academic and shooting class, and you're you're handed carte blanche to go teach for this organization or this person. So uh, Brian really summed it up of my major concerns when we started talking about this to begin with. All right. Well, let's see if Mark can sum it up. I'll give you some, some thoughts on this. Sure. Uh, first off, I've got some history behind gun sight that probably you guys don't. I was at the, what would have been the fourth class ever taught at gun sight. Uh, in 1978, I went through, with Jeff being my instructor, one of uh, Barry's, and uh, uh, Barry Worrell was a good friend, and uh, he also is Rob's good friend, and Barry was one of my instructors for our retired board patrol. He is uh, a former patrol, at least, and he uh, was a gunsight instructor, uh, given that credential by Jeff Cooper. Jeff Cooper, when he started gunsight, really didn't make money. Uh, he didn't have to. He did it to get what he felt was important on uh, the modern technique out. His thing was not profit. His thing was not money driven. His was to get his idea of the modern technique to teach people how to be gunfighters and how to make sure that they win gunfights. And that's where Gunsight has gone from its 
uh, early roots. He then got into teaching, uh, teaching people hunting uh, for dangerous game, etc. But Jeff did it for motivations of, I believe, the right reason to get his word out, uh, same as Tom does. Tom does the same thing. I've never been to Tom's class. I have followed Tom for years, read his stuff. I need to get to him. I just haven't. Um, when I decided I was going to be a farm instructor, it was based on losing a good friend. And I decided I was going to devote my life to it. So I started working my way, going to Gunsight and coming out and wanting to be an instructor at Gunsight. And that's what I wanted to do. So I moved to Arizona, Prescott, Arizona. Uh, that's where I wanted to live. I fell in love with it after I went there. And just prior to me moving down there, uh, one of the operation directors uh, and Jeff had a difference of opinion and left. Uh, and I had gone to Gunsight at that time four times in uh, two years. And as a young cop making not very much money, that was pretty expensive, but I knew where I wanted to go. Well, when the, uh, he was the operations manager, he left, he knew me, asked me if I would come on board uh, with him and a printer under him. And I said, absolutely, because I respected him. And I said, that's, that's what I want to do, want to do this. So that's where I started in 1980. I wasn't even certified through Arizona at that time. And he put me through a series of classes. He also taught me how to teach. And he certified me as being one of his instructors. Now I'm on the PD and Arizona at that time, uh, ALIWAC, which was our governing body before it became post, didn't have an instructor program per se. They used the NRA's law enforcement division class. So in 1982, I went to an NRA handgun, they didn't call it law enforcement instructor at that time. They had a police one and they had a law enforcement, law enforcement security and police was for police, uh, public police. And I went to that in Phoenix, Arizona. I shot the uh, Arizona post qualification probably 40 times in five days. Um, I really didn't teach. I didn't learn how to teach. I didn't learn anything other than how to shoot. They did talk about, you know, writing lesson plans a little bit. They talked about uh, how to uh, run a qualification course and alike, but we really didn't learn how to be an instructor. It wasn't until I uh, was asked by Post to come in and we designed our own program for the reasons why at that time the NRA's classes were lacking. Saying that, the NRA's classes uh, gotten better and better and they are an outstanding uh, classes. I've been to them, I know this. So I will uh, say that the NRA's uh, thing is, again, not motivation by money because they're a nonprofit organization. They provide a service to law enforcement, military, and security personnel, and that's the reason why that they do it. And it actually costs money uh, for them to run their classes, but they do it for the right reasons in line with that. All right, so there are a lot of different types of people. Uh, in Rob's question on there about, you know, how can somebody teach a two-day class and be a instructor. Well, it's what you're teaching. I mean, what are you trying to teach? If you're teaching uh, basic side alignment and trigger control, the NRA civilian side, where you're learning how to operate a pistol, uh, that can be done teaching somebody a good course within within a, a two-day period, but it's not really 
a teaching thing, you're a counselor. Uh, and there's a difference in that line of it. Technically, you're kind of considered, I guess, an instructor, but it's called a counselor. And it's a different thing. When I teach my instructor schools, I talk about there's four types of people. There's range safety officers, which Lee, you went through talking about, you know, walking the line, making sure the guns point safe direction, uh, stapling up targets and all that. And that's a, a range safety officer. They don't teach anybody anything. They just make sure the guns are pointing the right direction. You see these guys walk on private ranges all the time up and down the line. Even though they may have an instructor certification, they don't teach. Okay, so then you have an instructor. An instructor is defined as someone who actually teaches something. Then you have a coach. A coach is somebody who watches and makes correction to somebody when they're doing something wrong. And then lastly, you have a mentor. A mentor is somebody who walks the walk and talks the talk. When they teach something, they believe it to the point that they live it, breathe it, and what they do with it. And those are the four types of people that make the type of people who are instructors. You've got to be all four. If you're not all four, then really what you're, you're, you're just basically a range safety officer. You may teach something, but you don't know how to correct it. You, you're mouthing the words, but can't perform. You can't walk the walk. And then a coaching is you can see somebody, you can't do the techniques maybe as good as everybody, but you can see what somebody does wrong and give them nuances of what they can't see to make them better. And then again, the mentor is you live your life and you train the way you believe. You live your life and you do that. Those are what makes a good instructor. One of the things I loved about Jeff Cooper was uh, for all uh, his uh, flaws, if you will, for being a little autocratic, is that he got into it for the right directions and the right reasons, I think just like Tom did. When I started my company, um, I wanted instructor certified and I wanted to have the liability. So I sent them all to the NRA instructor schools and I hosted several of those for many years and saw them come in and saw what they were teaching, saw what they were about, and I liked it. So they do make a very good program. When Post did their two-week farm instructor program and got away from the NRAs and the handgun, it was out of need to have a better class. And we do discuss all that. So, you, you know, you can do a lot within a week. You can do a lot within um, two weeks and you do a good job. And I agree with you, Lee, but we can stretch a class out in law enforcement for many days when you could probably get it done because you, you got a lot of BSing going on in between there that you don't need. Uh, so I've, I've been to those classes where I, I don't like that. So now going to why would someone teach this? Uh, his, Brian's comment about money, the cottage industries that were formed after we started our concealed weapon law in the state of Arizona, which I was part of, my lesson plan along with a guy named Bruce Nelson were the two lesson plans they molded together to start what was taught in the state of Arizona for our 16 hour farms training class. And I'm very honored that I was on that. I was on our committee that set the standards for what was taught in the state of Arizona for that class. Uh, and what Arizona DPS did under the state statute uh, through the state law for concealed weapon is they certified instructors based on them writing a lesson plan that met certain criteria. And they had to list down uh, marksmanship, they had to list down firearm safety, had to list down the laws. And those were basically the basic things that, that went with it. And it was a 16 hour program and had to teach it. Um, I taught instructor schools for certification from for the state of Arizona for that uh, through DPS to recertify. But you had to have either a Arizona Post or Ailey Wack at the time uh, 
certification to teach or you had to have an NRA certification to be able to teach on handgun, then uh, in and out of the home uh, personal defense, those, those classes that uh, go beyond just the basic handgun class. And that was the purpose for them. I actually was blessed to go when Buzz Mills took over Gunsight uh, from uh, the other previous owner to go and teach a uh, tactical handgun instructor school uh, at Gunsight. And that was a, it was an honor for me to be able to go do that, that I was able to go and teach. And I, I knew most of the instructors out there, most of them were friends. So it was kind of interesting teaching them other ideas that weren't Gunsight's ideas, but it's there. Okay, back to Rob's question, why would you do this? Uh, the purpose of getting the information out, I think, is probably the biggest motivation. And I do, my motivation for doing it is very simple. Um, for Arizona Post, I don't get a dime from it. I'm giving back to all the people who gave me stuff uh, over the years. In fact, I, if I teach a class in town, it actually costs me money. But I'm well willing to do it because I want people to be good instructors, to teach police officers how to make sure that they do it right and go home to their families and still be able to look in the mirror. Uh, there's one thing about going home to your family, that's one thing, but you know we've got a duty to, in my opinion, to protect the public, to do what we need to do, to make sure that other people go home to their family. And that's what I took on when I became a police officer. And I believe in that uh, with my whole soul. So. I do this because I want people to do it. And I think that a lot of people get into it because they just want something to put uh, on their resume uh, there. We've trained a lot of people, quote, on firearms instructors through Arizona Post who have never taught a class in their entire life. But now, yeah, by golly, they're a firearms instructor because they wanted to have that piece of paper to hang on their wall when they move themselves up the ranks to, you know, do their next job. So those are my kind of ideas behind it. Uh, when Hanny, I'm going to do a couple more things. When Hanny talked about patrol rifle, yeah, there was no patrol rifle classes. And if you look at um, Gunsight had one of the first rifle classes, but it was a general class. You could go through the bolt action, lever action. It really wasn't geared towards uh, anything in, uh, in fighting. I mean, yeah, it was fighting, but it wasn't really there. Clint Smith probably is the one that started what we now consider the tra uh, traditional uh, patrol rifle program when he was out in the operation manager gun site and then he left and went on his own. And he's the one that got that involved probably more than anybody else. Then the NRA uh, jumped on it and started with uh, Marine Corps um, training because Marine Corps obviously shoot a lot of rifles. And I remember taking my first NRA school from a guy named Chuck Julian, who was an outstanding instructor, but fully admitted he'd never been a cop. Uh, I took my sniper, well, it was called Long Range Rifle Instructor School from the former commander for uh, the Marine Scout Sniper Program at Quantico, and he's forgotten more about long range, you never know, but we didn't use the pod for the entire week. I used the loop sling, and that ain't what cops do. So going with that type of thing, you need to change to put what the mission is for police and put it in that program, and that's what I think uh, is done nowadays and where the, some of these programs go. But, you know, people motivation for doing it uh, could be money. And I think a lot of the college industries, all college industries were that way. Uh, they wanted to make money and it was a big thing. And they really screamed and shouted when we went to constitutional carry state. It went from 16 hours to eight hours to no qualification. If you've ever taken a hunter safety course, you can get a concealed weapon fit in the state of Arizona before, which is sad because a lot of people don't know the laws and what gets can get them in trouble. Uh, but so anyway, I've talked now a lot, but that's some <laughs> ideas behind it. So there you go. 
Yeah, you know, going to that question of motivation, and I think there, I don't think that's a singular answer. I think it's going to be be plural, uh, because you're going to have some people that they want to offer an instructor course because they want to be able to say, I teach an instructor course. You're going to have people that are doing it for financial gain. But you're also going to have the people like Mark's talking about that. I have information or I'm I can say, you look around, I don't like the way the industry is right now. And I think I can do better. And I'm going to offer a close or kind of what, what Haney was saying, you know, getting into specialty stuff. Like when the red dot came out, you, you could say the same thing about, you know, I'm talking about pistol mounted optics, you know, there, there had to be courses developed and taught that and that actually came from the private sector side long before the government entities got involved in it. Competitors, um, yeah. competitive shooters started teaching it and then it went into right. law enforcement. Right. And, I, and I had to get on that, that bandwagon because I'm, been a red dot i'm sorry i've been a iron side guy my entire life and it hasn't been but the last four years that i've mm -hmm. really dealt with red dot sites either on a pistol or a rifle because i've been an iron side guy but now i'm teaching instructor right. schools for it because i think it's it's necessary to do and it's it yep. is obviously the trend but i want to see improvements yeah. in it from the things i've seen that i didn't like i want to make yeah. sure they're better so yeah, I've been running a lever action course since well, probably 2013, 2014, although the internet did tell me recently that Chris Costa taught the very first one ever. But, well, that's definitive. Yeah, um, and I'm not making it's a joke of Mr. Costa. I'm making a joke about the internet. Um, you know, I've been running my course on the cop side since well before 2013, 2014. Uh, I advertised an open enrollment class about that time frame. Um you know, gun sites run one for a while, but probably not on a weekly basis, probably at least a bi-weekly basis, I get some sort of mm -hmm. inquiry on the lever action material that I have. Yeah, I could see packaging a special lever action instructor class to teach to existing current firearms instructors so that they could you know, they could go teach that material. There's actually two well-known shotgun instructors that came through my lever action class. And I think very highly of these guys. And like, you know, if you two guys want to take this and run with it, they don't live in the same area of the country, I guess. If you want to take this and run with it, go ahead. And I'll support it and help advertise it. And they were like, yeah, the one thing we learned today is that we're going to stick with shotguns and not run lever guns. And so they didn't want to want to continue with it, uh, but you know I can see specialty things like that. Um, I don't currently offer an initial instructor certification, but I have run a continuing education class for instructors. I called it an instructor camp. You had to already have an instructor certification came because I saw some areas in which there needed to be material presented to existing instructors. And it was kind of you know Brian, you mentioned an apprenticeship. I looked at this as kind of like another step in that apprenticeship and to pass along the things that my mentors have passed along to me to try to help the field of firearms instruction. And, you know, I look from the institutional side, it's all about running a line and administering a class from the private sector side, it gets into, you know, the actual individual coaching. So I tried to marry that in a class where everybody in the class had to run a line full of shooters. And we had some people that have that came to the class that had an initial certification, but they had never done anything but coach students one-on-one. -on -one. And so they got to get a chance in a controlled environment 
with training wheels on to run a line. Yeah, and that's the kind of things I think where the private sector can uh, can get in. I, my, my good friends, Tiffany Johnson and Akil Kadir of Citizen Safety Academy have developed a curriculum for teaching what they call gateway instructors that they're just now starting to offer. Okay. And, you know, I, I go back to this whole thing of if we're going to say you have to come from these government schools, I think we're stifling the creativity and what the market can bring to, to the field and to the, to the, and help the body of knowledge. But also Rob, I really see your, your points that you're making with God, anybody can do it. I feel there, there's no control on that. I guess that's just a market thing. Well, got, take, take your last open enrollment class. Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead. If, how many of those students, now, now granted you weren't teaching an instructor course, but how many of those mm-hmm. students would you feel comfortable going to take and just on their own with no mentorship, no development with anything, taking your program instruction and putting it under your banner and teaching it? Oh, out of the last one that I taught, probably three of the seven. Okay. But yeah. I also have to say they were all, all three of them were already range master certified instructors. And, and that's an anomaly. Class of me. Uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of like Mark. Yeah. Mark is, Mark is, everything Mark does is either under the banner mm-hmm. of an organization, or if he's doing it privately, he's doing it with the credentials issued by a governing body that is respected in the industry mm-hmm. and so forth and so on. My issue is the ones and two guys out there that find a niche and, you know, become internet heroes and Instagram mm-hmm. heroes and ha- have a following. And then next thing you want to do, they're offering an instructor class. Okay. And uh, I'm saying I would, I hope it never happens to them, but I'd love to be a fly on the wall when they get deposed yeah. and say, what's your background? What's your credentials? What allows you number one, to teach this and number two, to, to certify someone else to teach it. I, I just, you know, having been involved in civil suits, in, in the agency and having sat down with attorneys. Um, it's difficult enough to defend a training curriculum inside an agency that goes through post. That's look, that's hard enough to defend in a deposition when you've got a really sharp civil attorney trying to pick it apart. You know, much less these guys that are issuing this certification. And the people walk out and they don't walk out with a program of instruction. There's no mentorship. They just walk out with a certificate. And, and here's, this is a little bit of a black hole, but when our narcotics, our, our joint narcotics task force wanted to start carrying sub guns. And so we're going to start carrying sub guns. So, you know, my training staff comes to me, so we need to develop a, a sub gun qualification course. And so we're not doing that. And they looked at me like I had a third eye. I said, we're not going to write a qualification course and a, and a program of instruction for subgun user. They said, why not? I said, because I don't want to be in federal court on this. So I turned to my instructor. I said, you went to, to U.S. Customs at the time, subgun instructor course, right? I said, yep. We're adopting that for our program of instruction to certify the users to customs and we're going to shoot customs qualification course 
So you got something to back it up on. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a government agency. But I, I lived for 15 years working at IA and, and dealing with department liability issues. And I just think that a whole lot of people out here, ones and twos, these guys out here have no clue what is coming down the road when it comes to depositions and them being brought into a civil litigation when one of their students or one of their, quote, instructors gets hung out to dry. And I think Moss has talked about that for several years, has he not, Brian? Yeah. And, uh, you know, along that same point, uh, when we developed an agency uh, patrol rifle program, uh, that also kind of stifled it for a while because we were using almost the identical course to the FBI's submachine gun course adapted to a semi-auto rifle. So there was a lot of, a lot of rub for a lot of years about, Hey, you guys are teaching people to shoot sub guns and you're giving them an AR 15. You're teaching them the techniques to shoot a sub gun. Uh, it's not the same. You know, we don't shoot shotguns the way we shoot pistols, the way we shoot rifles, the way we shoot lever. They're all, they're all their own niche thing. Right. Uh, so it took a long time being government entity to adapt and overcome some of the, Hey, this is, this is sub gun technique. Yeah, it kind of works, but there's more efficient manners to do this. So, uh, but a lot of the positional shooting from a sub gun course came into, you know, they're, there's a lot of that stuff that overlaps. Uh, so I can see how that can, it can play both sides. Yeah, we have an entity that we're using their standard, so it's awesome. Uh, it's already court-backed. It's It's been deposed. It's been through all the, uh, you know, all the checks, the checklist of we're, we're least likely to get sued over this or, or held liable for something taught in this. But the flip side is, it stifles the progress of a program when you take something that's specific to a platform and try to adapt it to another. So it, I can see it from both, both angles there. Um, and, and we modified some of the training, right? But, but what we did do is stick with their qual course mm-hmm. because I didn't want to say, you know, how you wrote this course. Yes. What is your experience and how did you validate this course? Yeah, I don't want to answer that question in deposition. We Why didn't. not? That's my thing. I'm not scared of that. Okay, how no. do you validate a course? If you if you if you write a course for an agency, how do you validate it? How do you validate the times? How do you validate the distances? How do you validate the targets to where it's defensible? And what is the validation based on? Go ahead, Mark, because I'm interested. Okay, because I do this and I've done this for my own agency. You base it on actual shootings. You base it on uh, standards that you see uh, from other qualification courses. You take uh, what it requires, you test and evaluate it of how long it takes uh, a variety of different people to do a task. So you can uh, validate it from that. Um, I know I I make a joke about it because a good buddy of mine who I work with uh, when we came up with uh, my standardized course of fire that we used for the PD, he said, well, you just pulled this out your butt. And I said, no, that's not true. I took a bunch of officers. I took 
experienced officers. I took officers who, you know, were okay. And I took officers who were uh, struggling and I ran them through a series of batteries. And then we took those times and we made it where we could say, okay, this is what the average person does um, under this circumstances. And then we accomplished that task and put that in a qualification course. So you can do your research and you can show that you've done your research. And again, documentation, like everything else on this is key. If you've got the documentation to show why you teach what you teach to validate why you're teaching it versus literally, like you say, pulling it out your, your rear end, uh, come on, well, this sounds like a good idea. Let's try this without any test and evaluation or beta testing it, then uh, yeah, maybe you do have some liability, but you can quantify stuff just like Hanny said, you, nobody had patrol rifle. So we had to set that up. We had to go with, what are we teaching? Why, what are we, what's our mission? Define our mission and then come up with what we wanna teach and how we wanna teach it and make that happen. And you test and evaluate it and you modify it. I've modified my stuff. Uh, even this red dot class that I'm teaching now, I'm going to beta test a new drill because I see a hole in the training that I have received and even some of the training I've done that I need an answer on and I don't have an answer yet. So I'm going to beta test a drill and then basically I'll just real cover it quick because you can, I think you'll see the validity to it. We talk about the fact that if your red dot doesn't work, if you have red dot failure, use your iron sights, okay? So we turn off the dot and we use our iron sights. Well, you mentally know you're going to shoot your iron sights. So you'll look for them immediately. But if you're expecting to find a red dot and it's not there, how long do you dink around trying to find the red dot before you go, oh, it ain't there. I guess I need to use my iron sights. So I'm going to do test evaluation with this current class to see how long it takes them to do that. We're going to somewhere down the line turn off their dot several times. They're not going to know it until they draw their gun to go shoot. And I think it'll be enlightening and educational to find out what that takes. And I'm going to make that a standardized drill that I think needs to be done with your students because it'll give them then an actual perspective of what they need to do. So Robin, to answer your question, this is how you do that. You look at the problem, you try to come up with a solution, and then you test it to see if what you perceived can be solved by uh, the drill you want to do. And that's where the expertise comes in. And that can be anybody that has that level of expertise. It does not have to be a government body. We just do a lot more shooting sometimes, but there's a lot of good civilian instructors out there, but there's also a lot of yahoos out there that uh, are trying to do stuff. So you got to, you got to, who would want to go to a class? Well, you got to have a reputation to it. You got to have some validity behind it. Um, I can stand behind the stuff that I teach because I know it's right. And I'll go to any deposition in any court and be happy to sit there and testify why I do what I do and how I came to that fact. And I'm not afraid to do it. Just like Lisa, I'm not afraid to do that. I, because I know what I'm doing is correct. So other people may have that fear, but I don't. I'll come back to you in just a second, Brian. I okay. Yeah. All right. Rob, you and I are both in Georgia. So we're both familiar and intimate with, with the Georgia standards. I look at the Georgia post course and see that uh, as far as the qual course, I look at that and see that as a complete waste of 30 rounds of ammunition, two targets in my time. I'll agree hundred percent. And, and so and why do I want to submit to that as being a standard that I can never get past? Two things. Number one, part of that, how do you validate, was rhetorical because yeah. Mark and I have talked about that. Right. And I wanted I wanted him to explain right. it 
I mean, right. I know how to, I know how you can yeah. validate it. So part of that was, was to get Mark because he's done more mm -hmm. than I have. Right. And how many agencies are willing to go that, to that degree? And it fired me up. And it fired him up. <laughs> uh, secondly, yeah, we, we train the minimum standards, no cop left behind. That doesn't mean that you can't exceed that in other training and, and, and have other standards. But we do it because that's what the state law is. I mean, that's the only reason. But the state law says, or post rule, not state law, post, rules, post yeah. rules says that we have to qualify once every calendar year on the course established by post or one that meets or exceeds that standard. Right. Okay. I go for exceeds that standard. Does your agency? Yes. Our, ag our agency shoots a course that, in my opinion, and I was the one that signed off on it, exceeds that standard and okay and i'm going i'm going to be arrogant here for a second this is an open arrogant statement who is the state of georgia going to put on a witness stand out expert witness me because the only people around the country that can do it i can pick up the phone and they'll be here to testify on my side we are the experts Well, and I know who is, I, I know, know I know who designed the previous state course, and I, I'd love the opportunity to go to an expert witness battle. Okay, let's do it. Bring it on. First twelve at the courthouse. <laughs> so, Random. You, 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 you guys over there in that Hyundai. Come on, let's go up in the jury box. Let's go. So I'm not afraid of that. And I think in the, as law enforcement, my God, we, we hide behind that liability word so much that it also paralyzes us. He's talking about you want to get Mark fired up where you got me fired up. <laughs> Once in a row. Well, <laughs> Brian, come back with what you want. Yeah. To say. So two things. Uh, one, it reminded me that you texted me about the state's lever gun qualification course. And I mm -hmm. totally forgot to get back with you because I have to get the guy that designed it on the phone and he's mm -hmm. retired. Uh, two, how many of us in this round table have been through a federal deposition? There's two. I haven't been through a federal. No. Mm -hmm. Not okay, federal. State deposition. We I've been, I've been called yeah. and, uh, you know, sat there waiting. And then well, you know, I, we're done for the day. You're good. Okay, well, I think it is well, four of us here. Four out of five ain't bad. What I can tell you that uh, law enforcement versus the armed citizen populace, what they don't really have an appreciation for is when an attorney decides to rectally examine you with an SL-20 uh, until they figure I out get what that. The, until they figure out what the back of your teeth look like. If it trying to keep it clean here but um but that is something that we have endured or mm -hmm. at least everybody on this this little panel has been put in front of a jury and run over the coals oh, yeah. by a motivated attorney right mm -hmm. so we, we we've all experienced that i think there is a cottage industry of instructors out there that have no idea the depth of how far that 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 inquiry can go uh and i'm talking about paperwork personal life mm -hmm. instagram youtube social yep. media facebook 
the whole nine yards. And uh, one of the podcasts I just recorded with a, a gentleman out of Texas, we, we talked about that because uh, he's doing some expert work. And one of the first things that came up, because guess what? The attorneys that are suing the cops or defending the bad guys are the same ones that are defending the armed citizens or on the other side of the wrongful death suit, right? And now that there is this cottage industry of training out there, one of the first questions that comes up is, look at his social media. If he posts anything with where he was at in a class, we want that instructor and we want them here to to depose, to tell them exactly what that person was taught. And if he acted in accordance with it, Okay, that's one thing. But if the accordance with it is so egregious, now we can tear the instructor down either on our client's behalf or on our plaintiff's behalf. And that hasn't been mainstream or hit yet. And what I mean by hit is that's not, I I haven't found a case of it yet, but it's coming and it's coming fast. Uh, So one of the things I see is when you have outside entities teaching law enforcement that are self-professed experts in any, any field, some fields are more apt to be deposed or be uh, inquired upon. And the firearms thing now that is so widespread in the civilian industry, it's coming. So one of the things we talked about was, Hey, if you are going to take instruction from someone you had better be able to get up there and go, I took a class from that person. I took a few little tidbits away. The rest of it didn't apply to me. Or, hey, I did exactly what that guy trained me to do. And both of those can be good or bad. But when you select your instructor, one of the questions you might ask yourself is, are the things he's saying going to look good to a third grade school teacher that's setting on my jury? Uh-huh. And, uh, in Copland, we see this all the time. In armed citizen training world, we have yet to see that in a major case, but it's coming. It's on the way. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think the and- one thing that's going to stop that, though, is there's no deep pockets on the private sector side, except for if they got instructor insurance. Right. Uh, Which that ought to be red flag number one when he doesn't hand you a waiver that says I'm backed by so and so. Yeah. <laughs> that ought to be a real big red flag, right? Yeah. Uh, but some of the things I see on, on YouTube and I won't repeat them because mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't want to have to answer for that, but right. there are some phrases I've heard in training. There's some mm-hmm. that I go, imagine what that dude's going to look like sitting in yep. front of the jury on your yep. behalf. Yep. Oh yeah. They're, and they're, and uh, that goes, that goes to my whole opening statement yeah. about the liability and, and whether you're, you're teaching or, or even incurring the, the, the greater liability of certifying instructors. If you even have a, a lesson plan and a program instruction laid out that you can refer to and say, this is what I taught two years ago. Yeah. And yeah. that's Go one ahead, more thing I wanted to put on that is that was one of the things that I was really impressed with, with uh, Tom Gibbons instructor course was it was all meat, no bones. Uh, mm-hmm. And if yeah. I were ever called to have to defend that, it's very easily defensible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only that, but Tom has a track record of what, 60-some-odd, 70-some-odd civilian defensive shootings mm-hmm. on top of 
the fact that the guy has a pedigree for testifying in court that he's defended successfully. Right. So when I went to that course that, you know, a lot of people were there to, Oh, I'm going to learn how to pull a trigger and teach people to do that. And I'm looking at his curriculum going, I wonder if I can poke holes in any of this. If I was an attorney, could I poke, could I find something in here that I could chip away at the way he's training individuals? And the resounding answer at the end was absolutely not. That was fantastic. Uh, but knowing the guy, I know he's got up in front of a jury and explained yep. every single thing that he just put out to us. So, you know, you're not there, take it for what it's worth, right? And I know how long he hangs on the lesson plans and et cetera, because in 2015, I knocked his cup of coffee over onto his clipboard. And in 2018, he was still using that same coffee stone <laughs> lesson plan. And he would stand on the line and he would look at the clipboard and he'd look at the coffee stain. He'd look over at me and he'd under his breath, some asshole knocked coffee on my clipboard or something like that. <laughs> it, it, was, it was me. It's, it was like, you know, I was going to say every time I'd see the guy, would you please print out a new copy of that? <laughs> so, why the old one works fine <laughs> yeah yeah well, well, when, when hanny when hanny allowed me to host the podcast yeah. and interview brian about the givens range master instructor course he went to before he went live i asked him tell me the background and what what gives tom the the expertise mm -hmm. the authority or whatever to certify these people and he explained to me, and I said, this makes perfect sense. And, and it's one of the few private people out there that are validated, that do have a proven track record, that does stand behind what they teach. And, you know, I, I thank Hanny for letting me host that one. Well, speaking of Hanny, we haven't heard from him in a while, and you haven't fired him up yet. So do something to fire Hanny up so we can hear from him really well. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is my preface. The preface is, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Brian and I were at the tactical conference, and uh, uh, I, I was standing there, Brian was standing there, and uh, a guy walked up and introduced himself, and I said, hey, and then he introduced himself to Brian, and, you know, me, I'm Mr. Sociable, and I said, I'm going to go get coffee, and I left. And then uh, he, the guy looks at Brian and says, um, oh, you're Brian. He's like, and Brian goes, yeah, yeah. And the guy goes, you're on Hanny's podcast all the time. <laughs> so to anybody who doesn't get this joke that is swirling <laughs> over my head like I heard a buzzard, that is where the joke comes from. It is Brian's podcast. <laughs> well, he made Rob's night if he didn't make anybody else's. So that story is permeated. It, it is almost folklore at this point. Aye. But one of the things I was going to say is uh, I would never ask anyone to come to court and defend the term Lebanese offhand, except for Hanny McMood. Okay, I just lost complete total control of this whole thing. You, you have. Um, uh. So I will, I will do, uh, I will go for brevity. Um, the, I think we've all uh rob raised like um rob raised like the problem what what is it that is a challenge and and why would you do it 
and what makes it okay and so on. Um, the thing I'll say is that that is something we just have to keep in mind and do the best we can. Now, I don't know, I, I guess I put it on two levels. So on this level, outside of whatever the state requires and stuff like that, in the private sector, it seems that most of us uh, don't know of a better person who has accomplished that in terms of making instructors than Tom Gibbons. On the downside, we want to avoid like the old school Kung Fu McDojo, uh -huh. right? Where a dude opens up, he's teaching whatever he's teaching. You know, you last long enough, you pay enough dues, you get made an instructor. And that's the bottom end. And we all live somewhere in the middle. And that's the best what we can do. All right. Mark, you have any, any thoughts you'd like to throw in? Oh, I don't know. It's, uh, I've, I've trained a lot of instructors over the uh, years that I've been there. I, I've, I've got to be approaching instructor level classes somewhere in the area of two to 3,000 instructors. I, I'm just guessing at that based on the amount of classes I've taught over now, the years, either through Arizona Post or this other organization I work for. And as long, again, I think as long as you, write a lesson plan, document it, can show why you're teaching what you're teaching based on a need, based on a problem you've seen and addressing it and solving the problem. I don't see the liability issues in that, that you can present that to court of why you're doing what you're doing. Um, statements do matter, and that's a big deal. And I want to mention that as instructors, because I know we have a lot of instructors listening here. Um, you cannot, I mean, Cops, as you all know, because we're all cops, uh, can be a little um, insensitive to life and death situations as a defensive mechanism to us. Also, we watch television and we like to take lines from, you know, funny lines from movies and apply them. But as an instructor, when you're teaching people, words matter and what you say can matter a lot. Um, I mean, if you think about the movie Speed, and the opening discussion about, you know, okay, hot shots, you know, somebody takes a hostage, what do you do? Well, you shoot the hostage, take them out of the equation. No, you can't. And that's, you know, that as a funny line, it sounds cute, but in the real world, if you were to say that to one of your students as a joke, just as a joke, and they end up involving and do hit a hostage, you think they're not going to remember that. You think you're not going to have to look at the family members of that hostage that was shot by your student, by your instructor, and say, well, yeah, I said that, or else lie, but I said that, but it was just a joke, that they're going to see the humor in it. And I'm, I've, I got to say, in my early days, I was probably guilty of some of that, but it's a serious thing. I mean, we're talking life and death, and we can't make jokes about that when we're talking about innocent people. So I just, you know, caution the instructors are out there in the world that your, what your words say, the jokes you make, et cetera, make a big difference and can come back to bite you in the rear end if you're not careful. So I caution all my instructors, you know, if somebody makes that type of statement, you know, that they're a collaborator or whatever. And I, I like to use the hostage one because that's, we're talking about innocent people. So I like to make sure that we take that in a serious note that this uh, needs to be there for instructors. So that's kind of my thought on that part of it when I heard, you know, talking about that. Uh, what you say on YouTube and Instagram and in a class 
will come back if you aren't careful to bite you in the butt. So make sure that you're saying the right words. You're walking the walk and talking the talk. So. Oh yeah, there there are a couple of very prominent firearms instructors that I will not take a class from them because I don't want their YouTube videos played at my trial. Mm -hmm. All right, Brian, you got anything you'd like to follow up with? Yeah. And well, then follow up on with. the head. You hit it on the head, man. <laughs> there are literally. I I got a phone call about about a year and a half ago, uh, offering me a free training class, which. I appreciated. I was like, man, that's awesome. Who is the instructor? And when the name came out, I went hard pass. I'll find somebody else. I'll fill your spot, whatever. Somebody donated an LE spot. And I said, Hey, I don't want to get into it, but no, thanks. And, uh, it was immediately followed by, okay, between us, uh, and, and I'm not going to divulge the instructor's mm -hmm. name or any of that stuff. Uh, in, until after we stop until the you're recording. done recording. Yeah. Uh, but, I had to kind of defend my position about why I wouldn't train with that guy. And I said, look, there is a history there that if I were involved in an incident, right, wrong, or indifferent, and they put that guy on the stand and the rules were wide open after a deposition and he divulged what I know about him in a, depos a deposition, I'm screwed. I'm no, there's no way I'm going to take a certificate, take a picture of him in class with my art. He may be a great dude. I'll never know because I don't, I don't like, like, I don't, I don't, I want a 10 foot radius. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I ran into the guy at shot show, shook his hand, said, hello, uh, had a cordial conversation with him, made sure that no pictures were taken while I was with that person uh, because I didn't want the, uh, the doo-doo when it gets thrown into the circular thing on the ceiling, I didn't want any of his doo-doo on me, period. And uh, that's not to say that, you know, people can't redeem themselves through, yeah. you know, whatever. But the bottom line is I'm still an active cop. Do I want the guy that uttered this phrase on the interwebs or did this action in his private life to have any like link to me and the answer is simply no uh so but it was just odd that i had to defend while i am mm -hmm. passing on a 500 hundred dollar course with and oh and somebody's going to provide you ammo i'm like well i'll take the ammo but you can keep the course whatever <laughs> but um, spoke like a true cop exactly yeah. you know it, you know i learned it from people He's like Haney and dobbs and fricky <laughs> and you know rob garrett lee weems all those guys but Bottom line in that is, you know, you need to be very selective in who you hang your shingle on or mm -hmm. who you decide to train with. And the only justification I could see to go in and train, going and training with this individual would be so that I could defend him and say, well, no, he's, he's changed. He's a good dude. And I'm like, yeah. dude, I, I got too much on the line and I, and I don't have time for that. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not in a place in my life where I'm, I want to do that. So that's kind of my final thoughts on it. And uh, mm -hmm. instructor credentials are not apprentice credentials. And uh, before you decide to undertake putting on an open enrollment course, uh, it's a long journey. It's a lot longer than people think it is. And, uh, and, and it's even after you have the credential of 
well, I'm a certified instructor, it is still a long road of, uh, you know, trial and error, failure and success uh, that if you just say, well, I have an instructor credential, uh, that that's cool, it, but it doesn't impress me much. Uh, tell me, you know, well, how many people have you trained? Well, how many people have had successful uh, interactions or are safe gun handlers or this or that? How many, how many of those people, how, how many times have you run back to a range house and gone, crap, somebody's got to go to Lowe's because we're running low on spray glue. How many times have you been that guy? How many times have you gone, uh, I'm putting on a class here and all I see is an earthen berm and I've got to teach people how to shoot. Um, those are things, those are experiences that you haven't had that until you have, it's hard for me to call you an instructor. We may speak the same language, but we don't, we don't have the same experience, right? So, you know, and I encourage people like I, I am now the biggest shill for like Tom Givens, like go do that. But don't think just because you went through his, his entry instructor course on a handgun that now you can go and permeate that information to the masses because you haven't had the experience doing it. And the only way to, the only way to get that experience is to find somebody that you can mentor with and get those experiences. And that is a challenging thing when you're not in a government institution mm -hmm. that pays for that, right? Or that provides you ammo and time to go do that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of my final thought. Spend some time being, and and Mark mentioned something earlier that that he he it really it pinged my army that that the Ranger tab like came to the front forefront and. Uh, one of the the ranger instructors when they would introduce themselves would say i am here to teach you coach you mentor you and train you and they did all of the above i'm like okay so they have a command of the information they're going to teach it to you they're going to mentor you how to do it and they're going to train you and train you until you can do it without thinking um and in the firearms instructor world we go look i got this certificate from this guy and i go you know, so when I introduce myself, like I don't, I don't teach recruits very often anymore, but when somebody says, well, what do you do as an instructor? I, I look at it and I go, my job is to teach you, to coach you, to mentor you, and to train you to do this proficiently. And I have other instructors that go, what the hell did you just say? I'm like, no, I'm serious. And that doesn't stop at, okay, now you're a police officer, you're an armed citizen, and you're now blessed to carry a gun. That means you know, Hey, I'm getting ready to go to the range. What do I need to do? Like, what, how do I practice? So I take it like a step further. Okay. Well, I'm going to mentor you through this process. Oh, you want to be an instructor? Well, let me show you the process to get in the door. And then when you're in the door, let me help to mentor you to train other people because I've done it for almost 20 years. So I have a lot of experience. That's a key word we miss a lot uh, doing that. So that was a long-winded final thought, Lee. I'm really sorry for that. But... One quick question to Brian. Yeah. You want to talk about airsoft toys? Oh, good night. So, Lee, I just blew the interwebs up again. And uh, after my uh, after my talk with Eric Gellhouse on the Off Duty On Duty podcast, aka the Hanny McMood podcast, uh, we talked a lot about red dots and implementation. 
And that dude is speaking on another wavelength from most of the people that I have that are trying to implement and teach those things. So uh, there's my shill for the off duty on duty podcast. But uh, one of the things that we both agreed on is if you're going to carry an optic on duty in a duty rig, it probably needs to be an enclosed emitter and it needs to have a really good battery life. So uh, my Steiner MPS is in my mailbox out there, by the way. <laughs> you guys are keeping me from that. Uh, Mark, you had something else you wanted to add before we go to Rob? I, I, I have one other thing that I wanted to mention. And again, it goes back to Rob's question of why would you want to do this? You receive that first phone call from one of your students, or now I get the first phone call from an instructor I trained when one of their guys was involved in a shooting, managed to get through it, go home and hold their kids in their lap. And you get that phone call saying, thank you. That's why you do it, Rob, right there. I don't know about anybody else, but I know that's why I do this. So is, is that that's important to make sure that that stuff happens and any of you guys are farm instructors know exactly what i'm saying you know that feeling you get when you get that phone call and you know how sad you are when you get one where it says one of our guys loses too i mean that's been far and few in between but every now and then you do get one usually it's not at least from what i've seen from most of my guys it's not from mistakes they made it was just their time to go uh, because it was a fluke thing that somebody you know students or a student got shot uh, because they were doing everything right, but that round just went the wrong way and, and got them. But I've had a lot of those phone calls. Again, I'm sure you guys have too. And that is why I do what I do right there every time. All right, Rob, you had the floor for your final thought. You know, I wanted to play the, the devil's advocate a lot here because I don't think those hard questions are, are asked. Mm -hmm. And I think we have the, uh, the bullet golfers out here that are really good shots and they get a following and now it's, they want to expand and build a, a following of their own. And so they start teaching instructors or, or issuing instructor creds. And I think it's a disservice. Number one, we don't have to be 25 year law enforcement officers to be valid instructors. I'm not saying that. But you have to have some kind of basis besides just regurgitate what you've been taught. And and again, going back to the liability, I think 90% of these people that are under their own banner with no accountability and no formal credentialing from, from some organization have no clue what they're opening themselves up for quite honestly and if if one person listens to this and and reevaluates what they're doing whether it's they start documenting better they start taking more notes they formalize things then i think we've accomplished something here and if all we get is a bunch of hate mail well we've accomplished something there too and it won't be the first time so thanks for the opportunity to be here and to to be the devil's advocate in a lot of this you did it well uh, on John Hearn's podcast. <laughs> I think that I'm going to start an over under poll in the that winch guy Facebook group on how many angry phone calls and emails I get after this episode drops because I'm sure I'll get some seven seven. Uh, 
yeah, that's, that's probably about right. But okay, it is what it is. Uh, does anybody have an upcoming class or event that they would like to uh, mention to the audience? I have nothing open enrollment coming up. I, I have LE obligations to teach. All right. All right. Uh, Mark has a full deck always. Yeah. Uh, Mark, I, I don't know if you all knew this, but since we've drugged Mark into the social media realm, he he's like a uh, like a legit dude. And he's like, unless you've trained with him, like people go, who? So, and more people need to know about Mark Fricky. Um, he was a famous, a, he's a famous gun writer from SWAT magazine. Well, there's that. that. Uh, but, but no, I have the, the guardian conference coming up in Oklahoma city. I'm going to teach, I think three or four blocks. Uh, it's an open enrollment. Come one, come all uh, September 16th, 17th, 18th this year. I'll be out there all three days. Um, it's uh, geared more for like the everyday dude uh, that maybe doesn't train a whole lot. So all the way to instructor level guys taking pretty high level courses. So, uh, and our friend, the luminary that couldn't make it, he's going to teach there this year. So uh, that's what I got coming up. And then I've got a couple of private LE gigs, but that's about it. Mark, did you have anything you wanted to mention? Sure. Um, as far as law enforcement classes, I have everything I've got for the rest of the year is all closed schools for uh, agencies around the country. And so I don't have anything for uh, open law enforcement. I just, I just been receiving phone calls left and right. Uh, probably the same as you guys have had the same thing since post COVID. Now the training world has exploded and everybody wants the training they didn't get for the last two years now. So it's uh, I'm, I'm kind of being pulled a lot. Uh, we do have the uh, Pat Roger Memorial Revolver Roundup at Gunsight in November, the uh, weekend before Thanksgiving. There are openings in it. If you are interested in revolvers, uh, there are um, six of the world's best revolver instructors in the world and then me. I'm there too. So um, I will be involved in that. And it's a great program. If you're interested in revolvers at all, it is something I would highly recommend you take. Uh, I have only really, I don't, I don't do a lot of open Roma classes anymore. It's just, it's stuff I'm doing is uh, basically word of mouth and people call me and say, Hey, I want you to come do this class. So I don't do a lot of open enrollments. Uh, the exception to that is my class up in Wyoming that I do every year in June. And it is um, eight days of training handgun. That's when you this next year, we're going to do handgun rifle uh, one, half day of shotgun, one half day of practical rifle, which include lever action, bolt action, and then precision rifle, long range rifle, but not in a sniper world. It's just kind of a target shooting out to a thousand yard type thing. So that's my open Roma class that I do every year. And it fills up um, pretty quickly, uh, but I mean, we've got room in it, but it does it's a lot of students in it, but it's a lot of fun. And I've done it the same place now for 28 years. And I've had students come back every single year for the last 28 years. So, so I must be doing something right. And they must like it. So there you go. There you and thank go. you very much for letting me be on too. It's my first time on your show. I'm honored. Thank you. Well, I'm honored that you came. Thank you much. Uh, by the time this airs, I will have taught my last scheduled open enrollment class for this year. Uh, I'm actually next week having surgery on my strong hand 
it's a very minor procedure. I don't expect for it to keep me out but a month or six weeks, uh, but I'm not going to schedule anything else again until I know that I'm recovered and back in action. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, is that I teach a lot of, you know, support hand only draws, malfunction clearances and stuff. Uh, I've got a class. I do that in the private sector. I do it for the, for the cop world. Um, I actually bought a holster and set it up for left-handed and put it on the other day. And it's like, it feels weird actually drawing the pistol with the left hand from the left side. This, 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 this isn't right. I should be reaching across the body and grabbing this thing. It's, and spinning it, it's around. perfectly, it's perfectly natural. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're lefty. Yeah. I, scre- I, I also do a right-handed stuff because I get to teach righty. So I, I'm very yeah. ambidextrous with guns. I, I, I did join and scream in left-handed indignation when I took the supposed ambidextrous holster out of the package and it was set up for right-handed. And I had to sit there with a screwdriver and take everything and move it to the other side of the holster. I'm like, now I kind of understand their ranks. Well, I couldn't have I selected left-handed for this and come way I needed it. But no, I had to do this on my own. So, so how are you going to shave? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. For the win. I know where you're going, so hush. <laughs> I'll mute you. Your grade, you can't hurt yourself. I, I, I know where he went in the text string, so I know how to mute his uh, his microphone from here. Uh, so with that, we have gone incredibly long tonight, but I think it's been beneficial. And I'm looking forward to this one hitting the internet on Monday morning at 6 a.m. Dude, vibes, man. All right. And everyone, audience, we know that your most important asset is your time. Thank you for choosing to spend it with us.